All right, kids, this is the boring part. So um, picture me with square pants, if that helps. It's not too far from the truth, actually. Uh, we, are, we are, again, very glad that you are with us. You, all, you made it. I mean, you made it. Through the stress and the tinsel and the shopping, you made it. And I don't know uh, how you've made it, whether you're doing well or poorly, but um, we're glad that you're with us regardless. And, and one of the things that always strikes me this time of year is, how, why is it that God's people have uh, ceased being astonished by the Christmas story? I mean, I, it's like, I always feel pressure to kind of jazz it up a little bit. It's not enough to say, oh, oh yeah, by the way, the God that created everything uh, became a human being. And, and, and that should be enough. I mean, if you think about it, that should be enough to so stagger the imagination that that's all we would have to say. But it feels like you got to dress it up a little bit. You know, it's like, yes, God became a human being, but i got to sing the, the, the songs we always sing, or i got to make sure my in-laws are out uh, soon, or, you know, whatever it is. There's some other, I'm just hypothetically speaking about in-laws. You know the difference between in-laws and outlaws, don't you? Outlaws are wanted. Oh. That's right. That's right. I'll be here, I'll be here all night. Now, I mean, there's a sense, there's a sense in which we've lost the collective astonishment about the story. And, and, and people of God, and I assume there are a few of you here that are kind of skeptical of the whole Jesus church thing, and thank you for putting up with this. But let me talk, talk to those of us who actually claim to buy this. Can I remind you of how utterly insane this story is? A virgin gave birth to a son. I mean, right there. I mean, if you left here and, and you know, you got a little, uh, uh, little internet message that said, hey, 13-year-old girl in Fresno claims to be giving birth to Messiah tomorrow uh, and that she's a virgin. Would you buy that? No, you'd think the girl was crazy, right? Or just desperate for attention. And yet we just kind of read, oh, yeah, the baby Jesus, born of a virgin, as if it weren't insane, I mean, the, the, the kind of stuff we talk about this time of year is either worthy of mocking or it's worthy of worship, but the last thing it should be worthy of is just a yawn. I mean, it's either so staggeringly ridiculous it's got to be true, or it's so staggeringly ridiculous who could believe it, but there's no middle ground for just kind of like, oh, cool. God became a human, and I hope I get a new pair of Air Jordans. I mean, it, it, we've so missed the scandal of the story, and it's God's people who are responsible for the lack of astonishment, because we're not astonished. So few of us actually read the gospel accounts of the life of Jesus. I mean, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's just a little bit of this big book we call the Bible, and so few of us read it that Jesus gets hijacked by every cause or every political party or every personality begging for money and as a result we've 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 lost a sense of who he really is I mean when you immerse yourself in Jesus you learn what he sounds like you learn what his heart's like and you soon recognize that most of what happens in his name isn't actually of him is that news to anybody else because if you're here and you're kind of like, I'm not sure I buy this. Well, I just want to say that on behalf of the church, and I don't speak for anybody, I'll just speak for me. 
But I'm just so sorry that often we kind of mess this thing up. Because what we've done is we've made Jesus safe and we've made Jesus boring and we've made Jesus just nice. The problem, though, is you don't crucify nice people. Mr. Rogers would never have been crucified in the first century. Would you agree with this statement? All the kids are going, who's Mr. Rogers? Well, before there was Spongebob, there was Mr. Rogers. I mean, we've so like neutered Jesus and we've so like sanitized him that we've forgotten how ridiculous it is and how real and vibrant a person he was that when we come to celebrating his birth, whatever that means, what we're actually celebrating is the invasion of God into human history, the invasion of the purest light into the blackest darkness. And there is no middle ground. You either buy it or you don't buy it, but it's certainly not worthy of inattention. Because the ridiculous thing that everyone said about this Jesus, I mean, the last thing anyone would have called him is religious. I mean, do you understand that? People say, because I paid to be religious, just so you know. I'm on the clock right now, ladies and gentlemen. Big bucks. Now, now if you're new, I usually wear shorts, and so, so my legs are sweating, and it's like frying my brain. How those are related, I'm not sure, actually. But, but there, there's a sense that we've lost the ridiculousness of, of who Jesus was. Because the last way you would have described him is a religious person. So people will say to me, well, didn't Jesus found a religion? No, 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 no. no, no. He, was, he was tearing down religious systems when he was here. Because back then, to be forgiven, let's say, You had to go to a temple in a specific city, Jerusalem. You had to go buy a specific animal for a specific price and take it to a specific priest and have the priest offer it and then you were forgiven. That's a lot of work. And that was grace to God's people before that. But then Jesus shows up and he's just a peasant. And he's just like going around forgiving people. They're not offering sacrifices. They're They're not even being exceptionally religious. In fact, some of the most intriguing scoundrels Jesus comes across, he just forgives them without doing all of the, the sacrificing and the offering. I mean, people were scandalized by this Jesus. The last thing he would have said is that he's boring, that he's safe, that he's nice, that he's religious. And that, though, is what the church has turned him into. He's just a nice life coach that make, makes our lives better. No, 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 no. He came to turn everything upside down. And this is what we supposedly celebrate by giving each other iPads and big screen TVs. It is the overthrow of the way the world has worked up until that point, right? And so I just want to remind us a little bit of the scandal because the people who knew this Jesus described him with the the most interesting words. In, In the passage we read out of John 1 that Hannah read. The words that were used to describe Jesus, the first word is the word, word. In the beginning, yes, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. Now, okay, well, that's weird. Um, The word, word, is the Greek word logos, for those of you fascinated to know. So we got phos hileron, and we got logos. So just, you can impress your family later. Logos was how, how did God create the earth, according to the Bible? He spoke it. 
So God gives a word in the form of this Jesus. That Jesus, at least the Bible says, whether you buy that, Jesus is actually the revelation, the clearest communication of what God's like. So people will ask me, because I'm paid to be religious, hey, isn't it a bit narrow-minded to suggest that Jesus is like the only way to God? And I always tell them, no, 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 you've missed it. The claim is far more radical than that. It's not that Jesus is a way to God, it's that he's God, and that he showed up here, and that the creator of all of this was an infant and grew up to tell us exactly what God was like so we didn't have to guess anymore. He was the Word made flesh. It's God with clothes on, evidently. The idea is not that God shows up and says, man, this place is screwed up. I'm out of here. Hope you figure it out. It's that in the midst of the darkness and in the midst of the brokenness and in the midst of the rebellion, He comes to us as one of us. It's not that he's a way to God, it's that he's showing up in person as God. And there's good news and bad news attached to that. Bad news is, if he shows us what God is like, then God isn't like anything other than but what Jesus is like. But the good news, if that's all true, is that God turns out to be amazing. Because this Jesus surprised everybody. Those closest to him described him as someone full of light. Now, light does a couple of things, of course. If you're trying to hide something, light is bad. Right? Wrinkles. <laughs> hair. Don't know why you'd ever want to hide hair. I'd, I'd boast myself if I had any. But light can bring, like when we talk about something being brought to light, it means it's being exposed. Well, what did, what did Jesus do? Jesus exposed all kinds of junk in the human heart. But the thing that was so surprising, and please, if you're new to the whole Jesus thing, hear this bit. It was the sinful people that loved Jesus because they were sick of darkness. And to them, the light was beautiful. But the religious people who were convinced they were the sole bearers of light in the world, those were the ones who hated being exposed for the hypocrisy and the pride that was in their hearts. So the irony was the religious people were suspicious of Jesus and the sinful people loved him. Has that flipped in 2,000 years? Seems like it has. Now Jesus is a religious icon. And the sinful people, and by the way, we're all in that category, but some of us more willingly embrace it than others. But the sinful people now are like, why, why would I want anything to do with this Jesus? And it's because so often the church has painted him poorly. If Jesus really is the word made flesh, here's what God is like. Are you ready? Suppose you have a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost. Will you not leave the 99 sheep and go find the one and when you find it, throw a party because you did? That's what God's like. Suppose one of you has a necklace with 10 diamonds and suppose one of the diamonds is lost. Will you not turn your house upside down looking for one of those diamonds and when you find it, will you not throw a party? Or suppose 
You're a father and you have two sons. The young son is rebellious and shakes his fist at the father and says, I would rather you dead so that I could have my share of the inheritance now. These are just stories that Jesus told. And the younger son goes to Las Vegas, blows all the money in while living, comes back with a nice prepared speech that was really manipulation. And the father in Jesus' story doesn't punish the kid, but runs to him and embraces him in love. Evidently, God turns out to be way more amazing than any of us could have ever imagined. If you're lost, he'll find you. If you're sick, he comes to rescue you. And so whenever we talk about Jesus this time of year, I always, I always have in mind that Tag- Talladega night scene. The eight pound, six ounce baby Jesus. Right? And he's in his main journey. He doesn't have a cone-shaped head. Evidently he gave birth perfectly. Right? I mean, and, and, and that's kind of the image we have. But the reality is so much different. Jesus undermining the religious systems of his day. Jesus scandalizing the religious community by eating with women who engaged in unsavory professions and men who'd sold themselves out for a buck. Those were the people who flocked to him. He was just so scandalous. We've ceased being astonished that God should act like this. In fact, there's a passage in the New Testament that says that Jesus had a reputation as a glutton and a drunkard. So when God shows up, evidently he likes to have fun and hang out with people. Any heart willing to be open to him, he would pursue. So he was light. He was the word. They would use the word life. Kids, give me 10 more minutes. You can do it. You can do it. Adults, give me 10 more minutes. You can do it. Picture me as Buddy the Elf with less hair and a different costume. Light. They would, they would describe him as life. Now, when you, check, when you think of church, do you think of vibrant human life? Is that what comes to your mind? Evidently, I'm here by myself. Is that what comes to your mind? No! I don't think of light and life. And yet, that was how Jesus was described. Wherever Jesus was, joy was. Wherever Jesus was, life was. I mean, you've got to understand, he was the kind of person where people would tear a hole in the roof of a house to get close to him. People would fight through crowds just to touch the hem of his robe. People would embarrass themselves by coming up and pouring perfume over his feet when that wasn't allowed to be done in the first century. I mean, it was crazy. You don't dig a hole in a roof for somebody who's joyless. You don't fight through a crowd for somebody who's lifeless. This Jesus is light. He is life. He's the Word. He is God with clothes on. And then the last word that's used in this passage is the word glory. Let me hear you say glory. Oh, boy. Now, if we weren't so white, that would have sounded so much better. Because there's a little, there's, there's a little like, it's like you got to kickstart glory. I mean, it, it kind of starts here and goes down and comes back up. Glory is one of those old, like, fashion religious words. And you know what it means? It means heaviness. It means weightiness. 
The word actually comes from a word that would describe rich people loaded down with riches. So the idea is Jesus was drenched in godness. And, and the thing that was funny about Jesus, I mean, people would sit for three days and listen to him teach. And Jesus didn't quote any other experts. Back then, the way you would do something called a midrash. You'd speak a text, and then you'd quote, well, this rabbi said this, and this rabbi said this, and this rabbi said that. Jesus didn't quote any other rabbis. He just said, well, you've heard it said, but I tell you. As if he were the authority. So what is it exactly we celebrate this time of year? There are many pictures involving bacon and Ewoks. Involving Santa Claus and Rudolph. Okay. But the Bible's favorite picture is light invading darkness. And could we agree, just for a moment, there is a lot of darkness. Not just out there, but in here too. See, one of the preeminent problems you and I have with God is we look at God and we say, you don't know what it's like down here. This is awful. Christmas robs us of the opportunity to shake our fist at God and say, you don't know what it's like to be betrayed. You don't know what it's like to be abandoned. You don't know what it's like to be given desires and then told to not act on them. You don't know what it's like to be hungry. You don't know what it's like to look for a job. You don't know what it's like to be without work. You don't know what it's like. Fill in the blank. Christmas is God's way of saying, oh, I actually do. Hunger, me too. Thirst, me too. Support groups, the most powerful thing that one one person can say to another is me too. I know exactly. Christmas is the celebration of the most insane act that, that God could have ever imagined. Taking on all of the frailty, the fallenness, and the darkness of human life in order to redeem it and make it beautiful. That's what we celebrate. And it's either worthy of just scorn and mockery or utter devotion. But there's really no room for boredom or big screen TVs. Although if you're getting rid of one, let me know. <laughs> Light has come into the world, but it's pretty easy to disregard. Mondo, fire up the PowerPoint. I love this quote, not that guy. I don't like that guy. God surprises us by speaking a word that is far less alien than we might have expected. Yet it's very familiarity, this coming of Jesus. It's human face, 10 fingers, and 46 chromosomes make it quite easy or possible to disregard it. The light of the world shines in our darkness and we overlook it. The word became flesh and moved into our neighborhood and we, we treat it like any other neighbor with polite inattention. And that's the challenge this time every year to actually grab hold of how significant an event this really represents. And we've got to work at it because so much of our culture wars against us delving this deep into it. And so, brothers and sisters, don't know where you're at in an afternoon like this. Don't know what you're wrestling with, but it's because of this coming of Jesus that I can tell you, beyond a shadow of a doubt, light wins in the end. That there's a sense in which light not only came into the world once, 
But light not only is coming back when Jesus returns, but it's here even now. And I would imagine the amount of pain in this room is staggering. The amount of loss, the amount of betrayal, the amount of anger, the amount of jealousy. I mean, you name it. I w- I, we could stay here for days and catalog the amount of pain in this room. But it's the coming of this Jesus that allows us to say, well, it won't just always be this way. It just won't always be this way. And so... We not only want to celebrate with joy, but we celebrate with hope. The recognition that God's not stayed far away, but he dove in when it was darkest. Would you do me a favor? Would you close your eyes a moment? One of the things that Jesus did is Jesus never manipulated anybody. He never coerced anybody. He never bribed anybody. So if you ever see those things coming from so-called Jesus followers, well... Be careful. Because when Jesus walked the earth, love walked the earth. And love always invites. Never demands. Never coerces. And so we like to invite people to become a, a member of the Jesus movement. To become a follower of this Jesus. And we don't do it in any like, exceptionally religious or sophisticated way. But we always feel it's so important just to invite people in. To invite people to orient their lives around this Jesus. To receive him. The forgiveness he offers, the cleansing, the rescue. And there's no pressure, no pleas for money. We don't embarrass anybody. But we ask. Because when light came into the world, some didn't like what they saw. But there were others, and they were often very surprising. Some were just sick of darkness. And to them, the light was beautiful and compelling. And so we just invite people to say yes to this Jesus. It's kind of like a marriage. For those of you that are married, I do. Those are really easy words to say. And they change every single thing about your life. And so we just invite people to say, kind of, I do to this Jesus. And again, no pressure, no nothing. And there are many ways to do it. But if you'd like to, We just want to give you the opportunity to pray very simply to him. You can just pray this in the stillness of your own heart. Nothing magic about the words, but it's just literally, Jesus, pray this if you would. Jesus, I am sick of darkness. And I invite your light in to my life. I receive you. And I want to orient my life around yours. I want to surrender my agenda for my life and embrace your agenda for my life. And I ask that you would come in and that you would forgive and clean and rescue me. And that you would allow me to learn what it means to see and to live the light and the life that you give. And um, go ahead and keep your eyes closed for a second. But if if you prayed that, would you just raise your hand and hold it up for a second? Um, We just want to celebrate with you. There's not, like, people aren't looking around except me. I'll confess to being, having my eyes open. 
Okay, there's quite a few. Can I talk to you for just a moment? Uh, if you're somebody that just said yes, you haven't become religious. You've entered into a relationship. And the best thing you can do to foster that relationship is to tell somebody that you just did that. And to find a community of people. Find, find a church where the pastor doesn't sweat so much. <laughs> find a community of people where you can learn and you can grow. You can ask questions. Find a community of people to help understand what does it mean to have given your life to this Jesus. But the scriptures say this about you, that anyone who calls upon the name of this Jesus is saved, rescued, redeemed, cleaned, set apart, and that you now, according to that passage in, in John, are a child of God. And so we join uh, in just celebrating the fact that God still rescues, he still brings light into dark places. And so we do that just by singing more and adoring more and worshiping more his name.